verses 16, 17, and 18. And he calls it all most fallen, great, rich, and poor, free, and bond to receive a mark in their right hands or in their foreheads that no man might buy or sell, save he had the mark or the name or the number of the beast. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man. His number is 603 score and 6. They said Halloween 2012, just about three steps from hell, three slices, cross the juggles of vein. Before we fail, pull back the veil, that's where he gets thin. Feel that knife along the side of his ribs, then crawl inside his skin. Wearing asshole, non-believer like a bathrobe. Splash foes with ashes, scar face, reverse of speech. In this verse, if you want to hear Satan, when we speaking back, we're sharpening up the swords and battle axes. Walking up the skies on the doomed planet as it spins off its axis, let the trumpets go on and blow. As the earthquakes and the dirt shakes down below. There's a world more strange, more frightening, and more fascinating than most people ever imagined or dared to contemplate. Your parents, your teachers, never told you the whole story, either out of ignorance or fear. Your politicians may know, but they keep their mouths shut. The door is opening. Throw off your chains and blinders, arm yourselves with the truth, and take a walk along the razor-sharp precipice of the Outer Edge. Now, outside the wind blows. Bigfoot roots through your garbage cans. Winter is upon us. Welcome to another fascinating episode of I'm Mike Mudd, here with my good pal, one of my best pals ever, Tim Swartz. We're here to entertain and cajole you, to even uh, possibly uh, infuriate you, if we can. Uh, Tim, how are you doing, man? <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing at the Bigfoot rooting through your garbage. <laughs> hey, you I know, like that. <laughs> Big, Bigfoot is sort of like, uh, you know, people worry about the homeless, but, you know, Bigfoot is homeless. I mean... <laughs> no, he's not. The whole okay. outdoor, the whole that outdoors, the great is, outdoors is, is his the home. The great outdoors is his home, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I don't, I don't have to worry around here about uh, Bigfoot rooting through my garbage because the uh, the county that I live in, you know, if you live outside of the city limits, you know, you don't get, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, trash pickup. So what we what we have to do we there are designated locations uh, here in the county where you take your trash there, and um, they uh, they have like like a giant trash compactor, and yeah. or like you know like a dollar a bag, you know you you drop your you drop your trash into the giant co- trash compactor. But, the, but know, the nice, go ahead. You know, people have supposedly seen uh, Bigfoot dumpster diving. You know that. Oh sure! Oh yeah! Yeah. So oh, there, there yeah. may be a compacted Bigfoot down in there, <laughs> a cube uh, of Bigfoot, a Bigfoot uh, cube. <laughs> but anyway, it is uh, Sunday night where I am. Monday morning where Tim is. November sixteenth where I am. Seventeenth where Tim is. Uh, call in number tonight, of course, seven eight six two four five eight one two seven, and you are listening to the Outer Edge. Um, in case, in case there was any question, if you weren't, if you weren't sure, yeah, if you weren't certain what you were listening to, like what the hell? Because we're definitely out, we're definitely out there on the edge. 
Uh, it just depends on what your definition of the edge is, I guess, but we kind of hit several edges during, during the course of a show. Um, call the number again at 786-245-8127. You can see us from Facebook at The Outer Edge Radio. And, of course, you are listening to the PSN Radio Network. Uh, you can go to psn-radio.com and listen live, a uh, chat live during the show. Um, just click on the chat icon there. But uh, I'm usually not there looking. I'm usually busy doing the show. So, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, it's just too much, man. It's just too much for me. I mean, I, if I'm if I'm on Skype and I'm typing back and forth to you while we're doing the show and talking to the guest and you know thinking about what's going on in the show, and then you're taking calls and we talk to callers. The chat room is just one of those things that's out there, and it's it's beyond the outer edge. Most of the time, it's it's fallen right off. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you know, if, uh, uh, if 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 the chatters are in there, you know, like asking you know pertinent questions to the show, yes. but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, exactly. we'll 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 leave that we'll leave that to our to our producer. I mean, when I go over there and I look in the chat room while I'm doing the show, and somebody be like, "I like cheese," I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> <laughs> this isn't really pertinent to what's going on." <laughs> well, you know, unless unless we're interviewing <laughs> the, the yeah, I, you know, interviewing <laughs> the you know cheese production king of Wisconsin or something along those lines. I don't yeah. see that happen. <laughs> Maybe if the Marbleheads from Underdog were to show up for the show or something, and we could ask him about it. Just made up oh, new cheese. Oh no! See now, you're showing your aids there. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Hey man, you know, uh, for all you youngsters out there, you really, really should go find some old uh, clips of Underdog because Underdog was happening. He was truly a superhero. Um, anyway, what you been up to, Tim? Oh, uh, I've been, I've actually, you know, I have been reading, uh, the book that, um, was written by our guest tonight, Adam, uh, Adam Gorightly. Uh, yeah, it's called, uh, Caught in the Crossfire, uh, Carrie Thornley, Lee, uh, Oswald and the Garrison Investigation. And, and I tell you something, it's, uh, um, just an absolutely fantastic book. It is. And, and you know what I was thinking, but right before the show, if people would would read this book, who claim that they're buffs of the cons, the, cons, the Kennedy conspiracy theories and all this stuff, if they would read this book, they would realize just how absolutely off base the Warren Commission was, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, there's some things that that Adam has uncovered here, or he has put together from various sources that, as far as I can tell, it's never been given the attention it deserves, and some of it probably has never even been seen before. So it's it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. Well, I was uh, I was on a uh, um, another program earlier in the week, and the, uh, the 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 topic the host wanted to talk about was uh, why the American public is still so hung up on the lone gunman theory. Yeah. Uh, spe- especially dealing with uh, the the JFK assassination, uh, but you know it also branches out into in, in, into other assassinations or, right. or or mass murders that you know supposedly had had taken place uh with one gunman but i mean naturally uh, the 
conversation always uh, tends to dwell more on the JFK because it really has become the epitome of the the whole right. lone gunman meme. Well, uh, I have a, I have a theory about that. I mean, why people do that, and they're so mm-hmm. eager to just you know. It's the same thing with any number of, of, of issues and stuff we've discussed before here on the show and on our previous show. Um, I think people want a simple answer. They want somebody to blame. Let's find the culprit. Let's punish that person. Mm-hmm. And then let's just close the book on this because we are so intelligent. We have solved it. We have it all figured out. And I think that this is something that people do. Even people in authority do it. And, you know, I, it's the same thing as, as the, the whole global warming thing, you know. Let's blame somebody. It's got to be us. We're doing it. No, it's the sun doing it, okay? And, you know, the sun drives our weather. But, no, it's got to be my SUV and um, cow farts, okay? And, you know, you got to find somebody to blame. There's got to be someone who is responsible for this. And, you know, okay, maybe there is. But dig a little deeper, you know? And I think this is the, same, the same thing with this JFK thing. I mean – there's so much evidence that Oswald either did not act alone or maybe, just maybe, he was set up, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just way too much stuff to well, that that's um, the case. One of, uh, uh, one of the guests that, I mean, that we've actually had on our show before, uh, Robert Morningstar, he right. pointed out that it's not so much the American public that is fixated on the lone gun, gunman theory. It's the, uh, it's the media. You know, uh, the, the media it constantly makes sure that we don't forget that it was a lone gunman. You know, that was responsible for not only JFK, but all these other assassinations. And that if you think otherwise, why, what are you, some kind of crazy conspiracy theorist? A conspiracy nut. That's right. That's right. Tin foil hat wearing, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the thing about this is that, uh, you know, you know, recently that there was a a multi-university study done about people's thought patterns and opinions. And they found that when they, they uh, did this study with the express intent, really, of showing how crazy conspiracy theorists are, that overwhelmingly the most sane, most rational participants across the board in the study were the so-called conspiracy theorists. <laughs> Everybody else was a little bit whack. <laughs> so, and, they were, and, and the people doing the study were, were, were shocked. But that's because people who... Believe in conspiracies, think critically, you know. Um, they, they look deeper into things, and they don't just accept what they're told or what they're told to believe. Mm-hmm. And, boy, Adam, Adam Gorightly is definitely one of those. <laughs> he really has uh, come up with something great with this book. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, I got, I, and I've been trying. I've been trying to find it. There was just a. I had just read an article not uh, not too long ago that was was talking about how um, the media has been very successful with um, painting conspiracy theorists in such a negative light nowadays that all you have to do is just call somebody oh well he's a conspiracy nut and then that's enough to yes it's a a dismissal well you know what's so funny about it is things that were crazy 
insane. Irrational conspiracy theories 10, 12 years ago, 20 years ago, are now uh, either accepted fact or becoming accepted as fact. I'm talking about things like uh, uh, weather modification and, uh, you know, using the harp array to, as the harp, as the guy who headed the harp program said when they allegedly shut it down, we don't think it's in our interest anymore to be managing the ionosphere. I mean, all these things that people said were going on, and everybody was, you know, laughing at them and saying, "Oh, you're a conspiracy nut." And that's just one example. There's lots of other stuff, you know, that that uh, um, we now know that. Hey, guess what? Those people were right. They did know what they were talking about, or they were onto something, you know. So, you know. Well, it's it's like. Uh, um Gosh, the, uh, uh, the, the, the MK Ultra, um, experiments that were taking place. I mean, you know, there were, um, victims, uh, especially, and I can't remember, uh, the, the doctor's name, but there were the victims up in Canada, yeah. um, who were, uh, you know, you had, you had women who went in there, who, who went into this clinic for depression and they were put under sedation for like what thirty days straight, and given LSD every day, you know, while strapped to their bed. And afterwards, you know, these these poor these poor uh, victims uh, would would you know came forward and say, hey, you know, this you know this clinic did this to me, and everyone said, ah, oh, you know, that wouldn't have ha- that didn't happen. You're you're nuts. You're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, there's no way. And now we know it did happen. You know, I mean, that's uh, right. Finally, the, you know, the paper, the paperwork has come out. You know, saying that, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and there's, you know, I mean, so many things. Well, one of, one thing that really bothers me, and, and honestly, as an American citizen, what really, really kind of chaps me a little bit is all these times that. People in authority do things like this, and they just walk away scot free. They get away with it. You know, they're they're above. They're they're untouchable. You know, above the law. And those guys that did that uh, fit that definition. The people who who uh, infected the Tuskegee people, mm-hmm. or you know, they got away with it. Um, you know. Just there's so many examples. Um, I can go, you know, even even the current stuff. The so-called Fast and Furious gun running scheme got away with it. Um, uh, Ruby Ridge, Waco got away with it. Got away with it. Not only did they get away with it, some of them are in very high positions of authority right now. And so, you know, you have to say, why are there two sets of rules on these types of things? Because that too is part of the conspiracy. You know, there there are people, for instance, who, and look, you know, I know uh, David Koresh was a jackass, and he needed to become be, be brought down, but he needed to be brought down legally in such a way that he did jail time. That's what he needed. You didn't need somebody going out there and setting the compound on fire and killing all those people. And the, there were people involved in that who were also involved in what happened at, at to, to Randy Weaver and his family at Ruby Ridge, and in some of those same people who I will hesitate to name at this point, but they're very well known in the public eye. And they just may be involved in Fast and Furious. They're currently, you know, in the DOJ today. Okay, um, now, uh, now so, no, I, don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm familiar with the uh, uh, Fast and Furious gun running scheme. We, you, you want to fill me in a little bit on that? Yeah, um, there was a there was a, uh, a program that uh, started under George Bush, under his administration, 
that was designed to uh, track illegal uh, gun activity in Mexico. And so they would intentionally sell guns to um, people who would get them to people in the the Mexican drug cartels, but they could be tracked. They had uh, uh, devices in them, tracking devices. And so they would know where the guns were at all times, and they could see how the how the interaction went, you know, with, with smuggling the guns, how they got them around, who they went to to get to where they were going, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, during the Obama administration, uh, uh, I'm just going to say his name. Eric Holder went ahead and and did the something that he claimed was a continuation of that program, but he, he changed the name of it to Fast and Furious. Uh-huh, and okay. basically, he, the, 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 his department contacted people who who were licensed dealers in firearms, uh, primarily in the border states, and said, "Hey, we want you to help us with this. We want you to sell these guns to these cartels. And oh, you're doing this for us, and we're going to do this and that." But as it turned out, what they were doing, they were basically s- selling huge numbers of guns. And they weren't tracking them. They were just selling guns to Mexican drug lords and gangs. And as a result, hundreds of people have died in Mexico. And a guy named Brian Terry, who was a Border Patrol agent, was shot with one of these uh, stolen – well, these not stolen, one of these illegal weapons because it's illegal. Um, they basically were illegally selling guns to, drugs, to, to Mexican drug cartels. Um, two or three Americans have been killed. Uh, maybe hundreds of Mexicans have been killed with these guns. And there has been evidence found, uh, strong indications that uh, um, this was done intentionally in order to – so that they could later come back and say, hey, look, these, we've got to, to make it illegal to sell guns. We've got to clamp down on gun ownership because these guns from America are going to Mexico and killing people. So basically, that's what they were doing. And um, there were hearings a few years ago on Capitol Hill and where they tried to get to the bottom of this, and Holder refused to answer. He took the fifth. He refused to answer. So they said, okay, fine. So they told, uh, uh, they, they told him that he better answer and, and all this kind of stuff. And, of course, they had to subpoena him and everything. And then he got a thing from the president that said, oh, no, no, he doesn't have to answer this. I'm going to uh, write an executive order that says he doesn't have to answer this. So this hmm. this conspiracy came from the very top. Now, um, this is illegal. This is an abuse of power. This is the type of thing that we're talking about. And, you know, when you have a, a, a Department of Justice that engages in illegal activity like, you know, oh, gun smuggling, gun running, murder, things like this, and they get away with it, that's a problem. So, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that and that's just the tip of this because um, recently, uh, right after the, the recent election, uh, Holder released 65,000 documents that had been requ- – some of which had been requested, uh, subpoenaed by um, Congress. He finally released those documents, but he didn't release everything they asked for still. Mm-hmm. So – Hmm. You know, this this it's kind of like you know the, the the fox watching the hen house. You know, the police should not police themselves in this way. You know, in, in right. crimes, I mean, this is and this is what I'm talking about because he was involved in some of the earlier stuff earlier in his career, and so all of us. But still, he ends up becoming the head of the Department of Justice. How does that work? 
you know? Yeah. Um, huh. Because, like, you know about what happened at Ruby Ridge, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. He was involved in that, too, I believe. Wow. So, yeah. So the thing is, conspiracies are real. And, you know, you have to keep your eyes wide open and, and watch what's going on. And uh, don't even get me started on what all is involved with this thing I was just talking about because it goes, <laughs> I, we, could, we could have two shows on that. So oh, that, sure, sure. We don't have time yeah. for that. But, uh, yeah. Hmm. So, you know, I, it makes you wonder why people like this are allowed to be above the law. You know, why are um, certain officials who are supposedly elected to office able to hold office but not have a legal social security number? Right. Because, you know, things like that. What, why doesn't anybody say, hey, hey, wait a minute. You know, you can't do that. Who are you really? How did you get a social security number from a state you never lived in and never worked in? And I'm, again, I'm just scratching the slightest bit of a surface with that question. Oh, well, yeah, that's just He's, it, though. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah exactly. uh, if you, 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 you scratch the surface a little bit and it's like opening Pandora's box. Yeah, it definitely is. But, uh, you know, more and more people are waking up about this kind of stuff. I mean, they're, they're coming to see that things are not just always cut and dried. And I think a big part of that has been the alternative media, you know, the Internet mainly. Um, other news networks that have come about, which aren't part of the – you remember the old days of the big three. And they pretty much controlled the news narrative in this country. Oh, yeah, yeah. They cut out – you know, they would not run certain things. They wouldn't talk about certain things, you know. And uh, it's just, that's just not the world we live in anymore. Thank God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's uh, and and but once again, though, I mean that really that goes back to what our conversation is going to be tonight um, with Adam is um, you know this uh, how the um, the big networks can can control things to the point where. You know, you think that you're getting the news. You think you're getting all the information out there when right. actually you're getting nothing. Yeah, or next to nothing. nothing. Next to nothing, yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I mean, if... What, what, uh, what, you, what you get is is going to have a certain spin to it always, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. for some of these places anyway, so... Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but that's just it, though. I mean, you know, you look at the information that Adam has in in his book Caught in the Crossfire. And this stuff is going to be, you know, I mean, absolutely, I mean, if you have somebody who, I mean, they may have, you know, like a a vague awareness of the Kennedy assassination and the stuff that went on around it, they would be absolutely shocked by what they would read in this book. I mean, they would have no idea. Yeah, you know, what, absolutely. What happened? Yeah, it, it blew and, me away. I was telling somebody about it the other night, about uh, a couple people about it, about the uh, some of the revelations, and uh, that we'll talk about tonight because it, it it really, you know, I mean, the rumors always been there that you know about Oswald being a CIA CIA operative. I think this book pretty much removes any doubt about that. In my mind, it does. Um, you know, and of course. Sometimes when you're an operative for an intelligence agency, you reach a point to where at which you are of more use as an expendable patsy than you are as an operative in the field. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It, uh, well, it, just makes, it just makes you wonder, though, looking at recent history, things that have been going on, um, how many people may have found themselves under very similar circumstances. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, and and considering considering the stuff that happened around, say, like the Kennedy assassination, and the fact that you know, look, you know, how many how many years later now, fifty plus years, that we are still talking about it, um, that shows that it didn't work quite as well no, <laughs> as it I as think, it was hoped. You know, yeah, they've they've got a new tactic now, Tim. Mm-hmm. The tactic now, in my opinion, is is to uh, – you saw what happened with this uh, CBS reporter who was working on a story recently about uh, something to do with the current administration. Mm-hmm. And as she was looking at her MacBook, files started to being deleted before her eyes. Somebody was dragging them to the trash and emptying the trash, and she wasn't doing it. And she took out her cell phone, and she um, – made video of it while it was going on and she thought it was her employer doing it wow but it wasn't and of course she's left she let she's left that company since but uh you know it it wasn't it wasn't connected at all to uh to that so it was it had to be an intelligence agency because it was all stuff that was related to the story that made the administration and something they were doing look really really bad and so Another so-called conspiracy, a crazy conspiracy. Well, she had the evidence on them, and it was being deleted right there, and she actually got video of it. And this happened, you know, recently. She's come out and talked about this recently. Um, So when you see that type of thing happening, I think now what they do, you and I have talked about this before. I have to wonder how many times when they find incriminating things on people's computers, how often those people actually – put that stuff on their computer themselves. If somebody can go on your computer and delete files remotely, oh, and yeah, you cannot yeah. stop them, then they can put anything on your computer they want to. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, I mean, we've heard we've heard some people make those accusations. Well, some of those people probably are guilty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but let's some, see. But some, they, them, but some there of them you go. Not, you know, so... <laughs> Yeah, that's just it. I mean, how can, how can you tell? You know, how can you tell? How <laughs> yeah. Can you tell? I mean, you've got this crazy world we live in. You, you can't even trust an image anymore. You know, a photographic image. So, you know, it, it's a, we're definitely in a brave new world. I, I, that's why I keep saying, you know, sometimes I'll, I, yeah, I, I love being an internet sort of guy. Now, I never thought it would happen that way, but it did. But at the same time. I sometimes wish secretly in my little heart, my evil little heart, I wish that we would have that big EMP, that big coronal mass ejection. Just reset everything about back to 1850 for a few years. I know it's terrible because a lot of people would die, but it would at least get all this big brother crap out of the way. <laughs> It'd be gone. You know? Yeah, well, that's... Uh... <laughs> 
That is, unless this uh, the the whole uh, Big Brother scenario has got themselves set up somewhere with a uh, a bunch of vacuum tube equipment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, or, yeah. But you know that they've got they've got uh, what are called hardened bunkers, you know. Right. But still, yeah. everything out here will be fried. So, you know, they're not going to spy on you through your computer if it's just a hunk of useless stuff. You know? <laughs> oh no, no. Well, I mean, they'll probably, they probably will have they probably have other ways. They probably have like you know remote viewers or they might send out drones. But I'm going to tell you something. If we're in a Mad Max situation and they start sending out drones, there's going to be some drones coming down. <laughs> well, that that is as long as the ammunition lasts. Ammunition, you know, I mean, whatever. Well, I mean, you know, considering uh, considering the way some people are. You know, with with their guns, I mean, they'll, they'll have their ammunition used up in about forty eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> they'll be they'll be sh- they'll be shooting at any ship that moves. You know? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh my God! It was a <laughs> sorry, son. It was a great time to bring the guest on, but I, I remember a few years back, gosh, ten years ago, they were seeing all these weird look little round uh, flying devices and you could look at them and say, look at this UFO and you could look at it you could tell that was that's some kind of clunky uh, military surveillance thing you know it looks like a trash can with a with a r- propeller in the bottom of it or something <laughs> and you're like oh it's a UFO no that's a really crude uh, uh, um, drone of some kind and, uh, you know, hey Martha <laughs> Look at that UFO! I'm gonna shoot that thing down. You know. Yeah, yeah, and that's just it. You know, I mean, you know, you get the the powers of be. They'll just send up basically these things like chum. <laughs> you know, just to get the get these people who are trigger happy. You know, that's right. Say, <laughs> that's right. And then they'll move in and say, "All right, come with us." <laughs> All that's right. Well, it's 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 time for our break here. Let's. Uh, why don't we go to it? And uh, when uh, when we come back. We'll have our guest, uh, um, um, Adam Go-Rightly. Adam Go-Rightly, thank you. And uh, we'll be talking about his book, Caught in the Crossfire. So let me get everything set up here, ready to go. We're ready to go. And uh, we will be right back in just a few minutes. Uh, uh, You're listening to The Outer Edge on the PSN Radio Network. So please stay tuned for more interesting stuff.
team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions, providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology, preventative maintenance and networking support, hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com. Covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application, Mobile Talk Radio. Imagine having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. You'll be surprised how easy it is to use. So I think what's going on here is Obama is banking on unemployment falling. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Talk Stream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. All systems are functional. And you're going to pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the the new king of radio. This is the Oz man, one of the voices in the jackal's head. Are we alone in the universe? Now, I'm a voice of the jackal's head. That is good show. Is there life after death? I'm Nick Pope, and now I'm a voice inside the jackal's head. Is the government keeping secrets from us? This is Stephen Bassett, and uh, I am now a voice inside the jackal's head. Will the Cubs ever win the world series? <laughs> I am now a voice inside the jackal's head. And that was Lloyd Pye. And who the hell are these voices inside my head? Listen live on the Jackal's Head and find out. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. And we're back on the Outer Edge. I'm Tim Swartz, and with us tonight is Adam Go Rightly. Adam, great to have you back with us again. Thanks for having me on, gentlemen. And I use that term loosely. <laughs> <laughs> loosely, indeed. <laughs> uh, 
uh, you know, during our break, you know, we were talking about, uh, you know, how much uh, we're, we're enjoying your book, Caught in the Crossfire, Carrie Thornley, Lee Oswald, and the Garrison Investigation. You know, uh, 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 Carrie Thornley has, has always been interesting to me. Uh, I mean, I, I first, gosh, I first read about him years and years ago. I can't even remember what, what, what's, what book it was that I first mm-hmm. ran across him. But I mean, you know, I, I was reading about Carrie Thornley, I think, when, uh, uh, hardly anybody else got, you know, maybe, you know, myself and, and the, the author, whoever wrote that, you know, that one book, or maybe, you know, or, or you, I suppose, Adam. <laughs> well, it, it, it might have been me, or it, you might have read, uh, a book called Conspiracies, Cover-Ups, and Crimes by uh, Jonathan Vankin that came out in the early 90s. And that mm-hmm. was really the first uh, mainstream-type work that talked about Kerry Thornley. And I, I'd become aware of him over the years. Uh, yeah, he was a pretty marginal figure, although he had a pretty deep influence on the uh, counterculture and a lot of uh, things. He was a big influence on the Illuminatus trilogy by Robert Anton right. Wilson and Robert Shea. But So I, I became aware of him in the late 80s, early 90s when I was writing for different zines during mm-hmm. the zine revolution, as we called it. Mm-hmm. And I saw Thornley's writings now and then. A lot of times he was writing about some conspiracies that uh, were quite befuddling. I didn't quite know what to make (laughs) of them. I didn't quite understand a lot of the stuff he was writing about, but there was something compelling about the guy, you know? So I, um, then at one point I caught wind that he had written a uh, memoir about his association with the JFK assassination and with Oswald and was called Dreadlock Recollections. And so I got a copy of that, and this, once again, this was back in the zine days, and you contacted Kerry Thornley and sent him a few bucks, and he sent you this 50-page manuscript, which was uh, just as befuddling as uh, a lot of the other stuff I had read by him, (laughs) because there was a lot of things he wrote about I hadn't heard before in relation to the JFK assassinations, different uh, conspirators involved that I didn't so I didn't quite know what to make of all this but so in 1991 maybe this is the book you read you read uh, Tim this uh, conspiracies cover-ups and crimes it was uh, had you know chapters on different conspiracies and uh, one chapter on Kerry Thornley the first chapter in the book wow and so I learned more about him that he had been the founder of the spoof religion, Discordianism, that right. he had uh, was writing a nonfiction, or pardon me, a fiction work based on Oswald three years before the Kennedy assassination. He had known Oswald in the Marines. Uh, he had been um, subpoenaed and indicted by Jim Garrison during uh, Garrison's investigation. Uh, Garrison claimed Thornley was one of the... Uh, Oswald doubles that he was a CIA agent that he he had written his book The Idle Warriors and his another book called Oswald in an attempt to uh, set up Oswald kind of after the uh, fact to show that he was a lone nut commie with a happy trigger fingers and then also in this book by Vinken it uh, 
talked about how Thornley believed he was a victim of MK Ultra and also a Nazi genetic breeding experiment <laughs> that both he and Oswald had been part of this Nazi genetic eugenics whatever uh, did, did conspiracy. Well, did you ever see anything that might actually indicate any anything to do with uh, Operation Paperclip or anything like that in regard to these guys? No, I think a lot of uh, the uh, Thornley's uh, quote-unquote conspiracy theories, especially early on, mm-hmm. were pretty sound. Some of the dots he connected later on, uh, for a period of time, he kind of went off the uh, uh, deep end and... Uh, Part of it might have been just all the stuff you went through with the garrison investigation, and yeah, uh, that's enough to make anybody paranoid. What they and might. I think he <laughs> uh, could very well have been an MK Ultra victim, and all of this <laughs> kind of uh, led him uh, to do some uh, confabulation about certain things. And it's yeah, when you get into that Nazi genetic breeding experiment stuff, I don't really yeah. buy that. He's suspected that is. At one time, he really went uh, paranoid and showed the classic signs that everybody was in on the uh, conspiracy. All his friends, at one time he suspected Robert Anton Wilson was his mind control handler and that his parents were involved, that they had made some deal with the Nazis. You know, classic paranoia wow. stuff. And he was uh, diagnosed with paranoia, paranoid schizophrenia at one time and went on uh, medication from what I understand, and, uh, you know, that helped him out in his uh, later years. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, so there's a lot there, uh, quite a colorful character. But yeah. even he, I was going to say, well, was, he was also a brilliant writer, inspired, right. you know, he was into uh, one of the first guys really into anarcho-libertarianism, uh, edited a libertarian um, magazine, the Cutting Edge Libertarian magazine, back in the uh, mid '60s, and was kind of always on the forefront of stuff. He embraced the '60s counterculture. Uh, was part of a uh, the sexual revolution and uh, experimenting yeah. with psychedelics and all that stuff. Well, listen, I mean, were you into the discordianism stuff before you you learned about? Uh, Thornley, or, or 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 was that just a weird uh, synchronicity that 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 you already were interested in that, and then you discovered Carrie Thornley? It came, a- it. it came afterwards. Um, so yeah, Jonathan Vacan wrote that uh, book, and he had said that he was uh, considering writing a biography of uh, Thornley, and I thought, whoa, cool, man! I'll you know, <laughs> I'll be the first one to show up at a uh, bookstore and pick that up back, you know, the days yeah. when we had actual bookstores. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, uh, and so he never did, you know, and I, at one point I thought I'd been gathering uh, source materials and I'd corresponded with Thornley and I thought, well, well maybe, uh, doesn't look like Venkin's going to write that book. Maybe I will. So I started going down that path and, um, uh, I haven't forgot your question about discordianism, but uh, we're, we're, we're coming around to that. So, uh, and I, I've told this story many times, but uh, so yeah, I was gathering all this stuff uh, about Thornley, maybe going to write a book. Then in 2000, 
I received an email, and this was at an email address that was a, pretty much a private email address. It wasn't associated with anything I was doing as far as writing and all that. And I received an email here there from a guy named Dr. Robert Newport informing me that Greg Hill, the founder of Discordianism, had died, and this was in July of 2000. I thought... That's curious. How did he know to contact me? And I got back to him, asked him, uh, did you know Kerry Thornley as well? And he said, yes, I went to a high school with both of those guys. I was a founding member of the Discordian Society. So I started a uh, dialogue with uh, Bob Newport, and that's when I really got rolling on the book. He helped set up interview with Robert Anton Wilson and introduced me to other people involved in the Discordian scene. So... I went forward and uh, wrote the book, and he shared some materials with me at that time that he called the Discordian Archives, different uh, Discordian materials, and I incorporated that stuff into the book. And somewhere during that process, yeah, I became a Discordian. During the course of writing the uh, book, my Discordian name is the wrong Reverend Houdini Kundalini of the Church of Unwavering Indifference. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, so, um, yeah, finished the book. Then I stayed in uh, contact with Newport, and I scanned a lot of this Discordian archives material. It was just an armload of stuff, or so I thought. But there was enough there for another book uh, on the history of Discordianism. And so, yeah, I stayed in contact with Newport, uh, telling him my idea that. Yeah, I'd like to do a history of Discordianism book. He's always cool with that. And then in 2009, I getting more serious about this project and asked him again, hey, he's still cool with me using this, these materials. He was cool, and he said, the next time you're down in Southern California, uh, come on down, I'll give you everything. I'm, I'm not going to do anything with this stuff. He was more... Uh, at one time, he had planned some type of web- website to share these materials, but he had uh, gotten into landscape painting and art, so he said, come down here and you can have the stuff. And then, So I went down there, and it turned out to be many, many boxes of things, which led to the book Historia Discordia, which came out this year, as well as this Caught in the Crossfire book, because <clears throat> there was a... Uh, probably a box of uh, materials that were um, dealt with uh, Thornley and the Garrison investigation, some unpublished Thornley material. And even though I'd written about this in the previous book, The Prankster and the Conspiracy, I'd written about uh, Thornley and the Garrison investigation, there was a lot more material there. So I thought, hey, well, I need to do a follow-up book on that uh, period dealing with uh, Thornley, the Garrison investigation, the Oswald uh, connections. And so wow. there you go. Yeah. Well, why, don't you, why don't you... Uh, oh, oh, one, oh, one more thing. I, I forgot mm-hmm. to add this. In 2009, when I met with Newport, I'd asked him again, how did you know to uh, contact me way back then? He had, he had no idea. Huh. Well, so there's... <laughs> There's been some synchronistic stuff that's gone on with this book. <laughs> um, wow. I wish I had noted everything, but there was quite a few incidents of that type of stuff. Uh, anyway, you're going to ask a question, Mike? 
Well, no, uh, well, I was, I was just wanted to uh, say, um, why don't you just uh, uh, briefly, <laughs> yeah, remi- yeah re- remind our uh, listeners just exactly um, what Discordianism is, who started it, how it got started, that sort of thing. But, you know, if, if maybe for some of our newbies who you know oh, have no sure. idea what we're talking about. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's. Uh... <laughs> When talking about this subject, you know, you give the background on Thornley, that's convoluted enough. Then you bring in Discordianism, so it takes a little bit of time to <laughs> kind of give some background on the subject just so right. uh, people have some context. I was on Erskine overnight last night, and uh, he was interviewing me about the book, and he was all pumped up about it. <laughs> he enjoyed it, but he was just like, talk about this, no, talk about that. It's like, <laughs> slow down. Uh, <laughs> need to give a little background. So, yeah, the Scordianism was the brainchild, I guess you could call it, of uh, Kerry Thornley and his friend Greg Hill, who, uh, as teenagers, yeah, they lived in Whittier, California, and they would often meet in bowling alleys, and in one bowling alley in particular, uh, they'd have uh, pretty deep conversations. Thornley was always somebody, and Greg Hill as well, you know. They they were, uh, as one person described them to me, free-thinking nerds uh, growing up there. They were interested in a lot of stuff, philosophy and politics and poetry and religion, and they also went out and visited uh, quote-unquote crackpot cults, like uh, there's some stories about them attending meetings of Dan Fry's understanding group, you know, so they were into all this stuff. Uh, Understanding was, I'm sure Tim, maybe Mike knows about them as well, the UFO cults, well, UFO club they called them back then, so they were into all this stuff. And so they'd uh, meet in bowling alleys, and uh, part of the reason bowling alleys stayed open late, and as teenagers back in those days, they could buy beer. Yep. And uh, <laughs> have, have these deep conversations. And at one point, it got they started talking about um, all the chaos in the world, what was going on there, you know, and that there really was no order that was... Uh, mankind's perception they <laughs> tried to put on chaos to make sense of it all and how all these different religions had uh, deities that brought order into the world where that was basically an illusion that it was all it, we were just living really in a chaotic universe and Kerry Thornley said well what we need is a, a deity that uh, is the uh, God of uh, chaos and Greg Hill said, "Well, there already is one. It's the goddess of uh, confusion in Greek mythology. Her name is Eris, and so that kind of uh, launched the Discordian Society. <laughs> they started then as a spoof religion, a way to make right. fun of organized religion. Started uh, writing stuff about it, and in their, the Bible of uh, Discordianism, Principia Discordia, they write about." how they had a vision in the bowling alley and uh, uh, <laughs> so there you go that's that's discordianism it, it's continued to grow over the years um, right in the book uh, the Illuminatus trilogy 
by Robert Anton Wilson and Robert Shea, there's all kinds of references to Discordianism. In fact, the first book of the trilogy is dedicated to uh, Kerry Thornley and Greg Hill. And so those were some of the early players in the Discordian scene were Wilson and Shea and a lot of other writers uh, that got involved in this movement. Which, well, it's a pretty, it's a pretty brilliant satire. I mean, of mm-hmm. society in general, really. Yeah, it and, is. And it's actually, you know, infiltrated a lot of stuff. I, I remember my kids used to watch a cartoon on mm-hmm. uh, Saturday morning called "The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy," and one of the main characters on there was Eris, the goddess of discord. Oh, and she was you know, making, making, <laughs> really? It was obviously. Based on Discordianism, the stuff I they would say. I haven't, heard this. I haven't heard this before. What's the name of it again? It's called The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. It's about okay. these two kids that, that basically uh, hoodwink the, the, the Grim Reaper into being there like their, their foil, and he has to stay with them because he loses a bet, okay, and do whatever they say. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, it's sort of one of his nemesis slash girlfriend is uh, Eris. And it's pretty funny. Uh, That's it's cool, yeah. Of, yeah, it's got a lot of really adult stuff in it. And, of course, that all goes right over the kids' heads when they watch it. But mm-hmm. it's, it's a pretty bizarre, really trippy cartoon. Um, but, you know, when you were talking about it, you were reminding me, you know, of course, I've been familiar with it off and on for a long time, Discordianism. But, you know, in some ways, it's kind of similar to the Church of the Subgenius. But... Recently, in recent years, I read a book called The Book of Mo, and it's a spoof, not a spoof, it's a satire of, uh, of, certain, of a certain Middle Eastern religion, and it, it, is, it is hilarious, it's brilliant, um, it's written by Mo Hamhead, that's the guy's name. And uh, <laughs> Mo Hamhead Hamhead has these visions and starts this religion in uh, 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 a radioactive uh, cave near a nuclear test site. Um, uh, out on the outs- uh, and then he moves to Bakersfield, California, and he starts this religion um, <laughs> called Malice, which of course is uh, M A L I S, which is another religion backwards. It is hilarious. Um, I know it's on in Ken. It's it's on in Kindle I think I, on uh, Amazon, but uh, yeah, it's it's really funny. Um, for a while, it was published by uh, C Sharp Press, which does all kinds of wild, weird pamphlets. They they did it for a while in print, and now it's published by somebody else, I think, on uh, Amazon. But uh, yeah, it's called the Book of Mode, Adam. I think you'll really, really think you'll really find that interesting because it's, you'll you'll laugh really hard when you read it. Um, but yeah, you know the the thing is that now for people out there, basically, discordianism is a is a spoof religion used to poke fun at just about everything in society, especially during the counterculture years, you know, when all that was going on. But uh, you know, it's interesting that that I, I assume that Thornley started that. It was involved with that well before he ever uh, got involved in uh, anything to do with with. Uh, the Marine Corps or, oh, or yeah. other stuff, which, which is really strange. You know, it's just, it's just really weird to me. He, he, he said at one time if he knew that uh, invoking the goddess Eris was going to bring all this chaos into his life, he would have worshipped Venus instead. <laughs> <laughs> well, he kind of did that too, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 
He loved the ladies, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Don't we all? Well, yeah. Some of us. Some of us, yeah. But anyway, hey, man, don't worry about it. We're not <laughs> next year. Um, so anyway, to, to get back to Thornley, when I was reading the book, it's like I was saying before we brought you on here, it became really apparent to me there was a lot more to this whole story than, you know, of course I never believed the long gunman thing ever, my whole, mm-hmm. you know, my whole life. But the stuff about, you know, before he defected to Russia for a while, Oswald was stationed in Japan. Why don't you tell the listeners about some of the strange paperwork associated with Oswald <laughs> and, and, and what that basically, you know, what it said and, and why it indicates that he was probably working for the CIA. Yeah. I heard your intro, and, uh, yeah, there is a lot of new material in this book. Uh, that paperwork, uh, that's, that's been around for a while, and it's like a medical report where uh, Oswald uh, went in to get treated for uh, venereal disease, gonorrhea. And uh, the doctor's comments were, or whoever uh, uh, dictated the uh, memo, was that uh, Oswald had uh, contracted uh, gonorrhea in the line of duty, Hmm. which is a pretty interesting comment, and I I talked to different uh, people about that. One of them was a guy named Bud Simcoe, who uh, was also in the same unit with Oswald and uh, Thornley, and he said, well, that comment wouldn't have been in there unless he was uh, involved in some type of intelligence agency work. And it was most likely naval intelligence. He was with the Marines. And uh, Oswald spent a good amount of time at a uh, bar there when he was in Japan called the Queen Bee, where there, uh, it was pretty obvious a lot of the women who worked there were spies that were pumping, uh, in more ways than one, pumping uh, <laughs> some, of, some of the folks that went in there, the Marines, uh, for information. Oswald had was a uh, radar technician during this period, which afforded him a certain level of uh, clearance. And basically out of Atsugi base, they had the U-2 planes uh, flying out of there. So that was his job as a uh, radar tech tracking those and whatever, whatever else he did. So it uh, became uh, pretty obvious that uh, he was uh, an intelligence asset, uh, through this documentation, there there were other things. Um, well, well, the and, documentation basically said that the arm that the Marine Corps was going to pay for his gonorrhea treatment because yeah. it was contracted. He got it in the line of duty. Right. It's a good I mean, deal. When God, does that happen? God bless America. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> He got it in the line of duty, and of course, you said, you know, you point out that he was seeing a, a mysterious Eurasian woman, mm-hmm. as it was described, yeah. who was probably a Russian spy at the time. Sure. On top of that, he had the whole the whole special rate of pay deal. Why don't you tell him about what that was all about? Um, yeah, I don't remember exactly what did I say in the book. There's a lot of well, details in well, there. Yeah, well, well it, <laughs> it, was, it was like uh, something to do with his pay scale, and instead of having mm-hmm. the radar operator. 
uh, rate of pay for a serviceman, you know, in that position, it said he was on special assignment and was receiving a special, a special pay rate. Oh yeah, okay, that's coming back to me now. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, there, was there? there I, was, yeah. I was a Navy brat. I, I grew up mm-hmm. all over these, all over the place, you know, and on. Uh, you you probably picked was, up picked up yeah, details I didn't even notice. Yeah. Yeah, that that doesn't, you know, if, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Put him, unless, rate of pay. You, well, yeah. Why did why did you get a special rate of pay? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what would exactly. all the other people you were working with? Why are you getting a special rate of pay there? But uh, well, I can't talk about it. Well, I mean, you're either a radar operator or you're on special assignment. Which is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And so, what's odd is that uh, Oswald got into trouble when he was uh, at Atsugi. And uh, later I want to talk, it's a little bit too early to talk about MK Ultra, but uh, that might have been going on there as well. But he uh, got into confrontations with uh, different brass there at Datsugi and apparently uh, poured beer over one of his superior officer's head. And so he had all this stuff going on that he ended up getting sent back uh, under a cloud of like... uh, of a fuck up, <laughs> a beat up. <laughs> to to uh, uh, back to El Toro uh, base in Southern California, and he was still at the rank of uh, private, which was odd, certainly to Kerry Thornley, because you know usually the lowest level somebody would come in who had served overseas, they'd come back as a corporal. And so uh, Oswald ends up in the same squadron, and it's kind of. Uh, it was a training squadron to be a radar technician there at El Toro Base, and uh, he and Oswald uh, stroke, you know, struck up a uh, friendship, and they talked about uh, a lot of things. Like I said, Thornley uh, liked to talk about uh, politics and philosophy and religion and all of this, and Oswald was into that, and Oswald wanted to talk uh, about, uh, among other things, Marxism, which interested Thornley, different uh, political ideologies and whatnot. And so they uh, engaged in these conversations. What I suspect, Oswald was sent over there to to basically be a narc within that squadron to uh, talk to different people and find out if they'd be a security risk. And, of course, Thornley... (laughs) He probably threw up a red flag with folks because he was all over the map, you know, just this crazy, engaging guy that was willing to entertain any type of ideas. And he was, you know, he was a a vocal atheist at that time and all that stuff, you know, uh, uh, was something that, uh, once again, waved a red flag for his superiors, I'm sure. So uh, perhaps Oswald was playing that role uh, it seems like uh when he defected he was uh you know up up to some uh spyish type activities as well yeah well that's what i found interesting in uh, uh in your book is that thornley commented on oswald that oswald you know while there on the base i mean he uh uh, uh Made uh, made no I mean made no bones about his uh, Marxist leaning. Apparently, called everybody mm-hmm. com- comrade, <laughs> and uh, which you know you would think under normal circumstances 
during that era would have gotten him kicked out or at least, you know, put in the brig pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, part, it, it's, yeah go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I, I, part of it, you know, seemed tongue-in-cheek, at least to Thornley, and I think he, uh, Oswald subscribed to Pravda, and so, yeah, <laughs> I, I would think that uh, people would be concerned, with, you know, you're uh, subscribing to a communist uh, periodical, but uh, anyway, go ahead. Uh, well, no, no, I mean, well, it's just that, you know, I mean, and considering also the strategic importance of that, the, the base there in Japan, you know, yeah. to allow to allow somebody like Oswald to be, you know, walking around, I mean, you know, acting right. and talking that way, and uh, nobody seemed to really uh, uh, do anything about it. So, I mean, you know, you're, the idea that, you know, he may have been, you know, a, uh, yeah. a, a, a a spook, so to speak, to try to well, see. Well, I, I, sus- I suspected he was, and I'll tell you, not just because of various things in Adam's book, but think about this. I mean, there's the old adage of hide in plain sight, you know, and, mm-hmm. and so oh, yeah. if, he, if he's going to be, uh, you don't want anybody to think he's he's a spook and, and working for uh, an intelligence agency, then you make sure that he comes across as a potential problem, as a, as a, just a nut, as a, you know, as a potential Marxist and uh, a nonconformist and all this kind of stuff. And then you would never suspect him. You would think he was just a gold bricker, you know? Um, yeah. And I think that that could very well have been what his cover was. And it also makes it easier, for instance, let's say, uh, I hate to see how to put this. Okay, if you have an operative that's going to meet another operative and they don't know that person, you would say, "Look for the guy talking about Marxism." <laughs> that's a good. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. it is. Yeah, yeah so, well, it was. A, it seemed like a cover story. Exactly, and not just that, but if he is talking Marxism, and there are other spies in the unit, then the word will get back. Hey, there's this guy here. We can turn this guy, and. Mm-hmm. That would yeah. be exactly what he would want them to try to do. Exactly, yeah. So you're doing all that stuff. Later when uh, Oswald ended up in New Orleans in uh, 63, he was uh, actively engaged in uh, joining different communist uh, organizations, started his own branch of Fair Play for Cuba there in New Orleans, and uh it's been speculated, and rightly so, that uh, it's basically just uh, it was a continuance of creating this cover story. Now Oswald, he was you know, was just he was just doing a job. He was on a need to know basis. He obviously didn't know he was going to be set up for the Kennedy assassination. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. I think that's exactly what happened. Okay, you know, to, to cut. A- to the chase, you know, a few a few years later, uh, Carrie Thornley has written this book, and, and and then he moves to New Orleans, and he's still working on the book. Why don't you tell people about the book? Because he was writing that book three years before uh, Oswald uh, was involved in whatever happened in Dallas. Yeah, so Thornley um, met. Uh Oswald really was associated with him for a couple months there in Southern California at El Toro Base. Oswald had come back from Atsugi, Japan, where he'd been the radar technician, came back under this cloud of being a uh, screw-up. And so, yeah, 
Thornley and Oswald had their conversations, and Thornley gets shipped over to Atsugi, where Oswald had previously uh, been. And uh, during the course of his travels there, they went on a ship uh, by the name, uh, I think it was the U.S. Uh, Breckenridge. Point right. Little. And uh, he started... Thornley was a budding writer, so he started writing uh, this uh, non, or excuse me, fiction uh, novel, The Idol Warriors, and the lead character was named Johnny Shelburne. And Thornley had uh, basically uh, created a composite character that was based upon himself, other Marines he had known, as well as uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. And so when he got over to Atsugi, sometime during that period is when Oswald defect, uh, defected to Russia. Thornley heard that and went, holy crap, I'm going to base, <laughs> base the book in, uh, primarily on Oswald from this point forward. And so that's how that book, uh, The Idol Warriors, began. And it wasn't published until uh, 1991 by uh, Ron Bonds at Illuminate Press. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And there's an interesting story behind that. Uh, yeah, I saw uh, that in the book. That okay, yeah. Um, Go ahead, tell them. <laughs> trying to remember it now. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Bonds, uh, Bonds uh, met Thornley in uh, Atlanta, Atlanta area in the uh, early 90s, late 80s. He, he was aware of this character. Uh, Thornley was part of the uh, Little Five Points, a bohemian community. He was part of that scene there. And Ron Bonds uh, invited Thornley at one point to give a talk at Oxford Books, where uh, Ron Bonds worked <laughs> at that time. I have some great inside stories. I don't know if you guys knew Ron Bonds that well, but uh, he started working at this bookstore, and it was also a used uh, bookstore, so they'd bring in... People bring in books and all the great conspiracy uh, titles Ron would uh, hide and then he'd truck home with them. So he created this, <laughs> had this great library of stuff. So anyway, he had Thornley in there to talk about the uh, Kennedy assassination and became interested and heard about the Idol Warriors. And he goes, and at this, around this time, he had started Illuminate Press. This is when, like 1991 or so. And wanted to publish the Idol Warriors. Uh, Thornley uh, told him, "Well, damn, I don't actually have a uh, copy of it anymore. But uh, where it probably is is in the National Archives, because I uh, submitted uh, the Idol Warriors as uh, a p- part of my Warren Commission uh, testimony." Right. And so, sure enough. Uh, couple of uh, friends of Ron Bonds were going uh, to uh, D.C. to, uh, what the hell, they were actually uh, going to a Dairy Queen <laughs> convention, <laughs> but they were also they were also into, into this stuff, so they went to the Nas- National Archives and were able to, they went in there and uh, got researcher cards and uh, were taken to a place that looked like, you know, something out of... Uh, Indiana Jones, where all this uh, Warren Commission stuff was uh, filed away, and there was some ancient guy there who'd been 
in charge of that for the last 40 years. Wow. And they uh, told him they were looking for this book, The Idol Warriors by Kerry Thornley, and this guy knew exactly where it was at, took him to it, you know, and they were able to make copies of it. And then they took it back to Ron Bonds, and it was published in uh, 1991. But uh, Thornley also wrote another book. Uh, I'm probably getting ahead of myself here. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, we, we kind of got off track with the whole New Orleans thing I, I'd asked about. But to get mm-hmm. – what I was wondering about this, this this particular tangent is that Ron Bonds was also – eventually became partners with Jim Keith, mm-hmm. who wrote several awesome Awesome conspiracy books. I mean, that guy really got to the point of some stuff. He really, I mean, he knew what he he uncovered some stuff. And he was he was he was the dude. He He was was. man. He was the dude. And and so yeah. And some things happened. Explain the strange sequence of events involving uh, Ron and Jim Keith and uh, Thornley. Well, they all died over the course of uh, let's see. Uh, two two years, two yeah, or three yeah. years, um, and, Jim, and Jim Keith died very mysteriously. It, it just didn't make sense how he died to me. Well, yeah, so, so, so did Ron, you know. Well, yeah, so did Ron. Yeah, maybe Thornley as well. Yeah, Thornley. Uh, so yeah, Thornley, uh, Jim Keith, and Bonds. Uh, uh, Ron Bonds and Jim Keith became good friends and. Uh, at the time of uh, Jim Keith's death, he was uh, really became a partner in the Luminette Press at that time. They were working closely together. I remember corresponding with those guys during that time, and Keith and Bonds were telling me about uh, projects they were working on. So there, those guys were tight. They <laughs> they were the backbone of the Luminette, and Kerry um, Thornley uh, was. Besides, uh, Jim Keith was their most published author. So those were the most active three guys involved with the Illuminate Press, which was really the uh, arguably the uh, main publisher of conspiracy books during that period. So Thornley died in 1998 of what he what Thornley considered, and once again we get into confabulation, but it was a rare kidney disease, Thornley thought he'd been poisoned by uh, whoever, uh, some uh, Russian uh, women agents that came over and somehow had sex with him. And <laughs> I've heard different yeah, yeah. stories. So, so he died of this rare kidney disease. Then next in line was uh, Jim Keith, who died at uh, Burning Man. He was up on a stage uh, getting crazy, dancing or whatever, and it was just, you know, whatever, a three-foot stage, jumped off and uh, had a uh, some type of knee, ankle, in- injury, whatever. He got uh, transported to, uh, you know, the Burning Man is in, uh, oh, what county is that? He got Washoe County, I think, you know, in, in uh, Nevada, Went in for a medical procedure. He uh, was put under anesthesia, and during the course of the surgery, a blood clot uh, traveled up from his leg up into his lungs, I believe, and killed him. Mm -hmm. 
So, and, and then Ron Bonds was out eating Mexican food and uh, got food poisoning. A lot of these seemed like rare and, uh, you know, just, uh, uh, it's pretty curious. They all died during that uh, period, and they were so active in the conspiracy scenes seen at that time. Some point to an article Jim was writing about uh, Princess Diana during that period that he had interviewed uh, Princess Diana's doctor or somebody, uh, some doctor who was uh, connected to her case and that uh, Keith had been informed she was pregnant with, uh, who was her boyfriend at that time? Uh, Dodie uh, Fayette. Fayad as well, Fayad, yeah. which yeah. which of course the uh, British Crown didn't dig at all, so <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they they took them out because of that. A lot of people point to that as maybe some reason. Of course, uh, Jim had written that book about the octopus with uh, Ken Thomas as well, that revealed a lot exactly. of stuff about the Promise exactly. software. So. Anyway, yeah, I mean, well, make of, make of it what you will. I don't know for yeah. sure. I don't have anything, but it's well, pretty curious. The time, yeah, there were a lot of things about the death of Jim Keith. That, I mean, well, he fell off the stage, and at first he just thought he'd hurt his leg. Yeah, and then it got worse and worse. And then they said he had broken something. They they take him to the doctor, and next thing you hear, he's dead. The next day, the guy's dead. Yeah. Um, you know, I just don't know. I mean. It's weird that this happens. These three guys, like you said, they were pretty much Illuminate Press. Yeah. With a very short time, they're all three dead and gone, and Illuminate Press is done. It's a drag, too, because they were all cool people, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and What's you know, with, 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 Ron, with Ron Bonds, I mean, his wife um, ate the. Uh, I think uh, they both ordered the same yeah. thing, and oh, yeah. she had no problems at all. And he just, I mean, he just basically, I mean, it, it had to have been one of the most virulent food poisonings in the world because he just basically just killed over and died. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I will tell you this. I know somebody else that had something mysterious like that happen to him. I'm not going to mention any names here on the air, but, yeah, other people ate the same thing. This person ate, and then he got so sick he was hospitalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And nobody else did. Yeah. So, well, all the doctor could say was, all I can tell you is it's some kind of poisoning. You've been poisoned. We don't know what it is, and that's it. You know, so makes you wonder, doesn't it? Yeah, at least it's happened. Um, I, but, I but, had. Uh, I wanted to mention you brought up Ron Bonds' wife. Her name's Nancy. After he died, I was. Uh, so, I'd actually heard it from Ron that he had a bunch of boxes of. Uh, Carrie Thornley material. And we were kind of talking about that. Then he died, and I heard that uh, Nancy was selling a lot of the back inventory and stuff, so I contacted her about this Thornley stuff. This was back, yeah, whenever that was, 2000, 2001. And uh, told her I was interested perhaps in purchasing. That's when I was uh, writing the Thornley book. And she never got back to me, you know, so I didn't press her. It was like, yeah, her husband just died, so give the lady some space. And I went out there, uh, let's see, 2012. I was uh, going to Dragon Con, 
and I contacted her. I contacted her about, uh, not necessarily about those materials, but uh, whatever it was, I uh, was in contact with her, and uh, yeah, it was about some of the copyright about Thornley's materials, and she said at that time, hey, I have a bunch of boxes of uh, Thornley material. Uh, let's get together for coffee, and I, you can have those. And it was one of those, uh, you know, similar situation to getting having the uh, Discordian archives passed on to me. It was more Thornley stuff. So, seemed, you know, like a lot of projects, you get dialed into and connected with people, and things just uh, continue to fall in your lap. And uh, some of the materials Nancy passed on to me appear in this uh, book, Caught in the Crossfire. Yeah, it, you know... It just seems like, uh, like we're talking about coming into the show tonight. Often the things that seem just out there, like they're out there, you know, they're they're out there. They're they, conspiracies, like these three guys dying. Mm-hmm. But there's something to it, you know. The deeper you look at it, it just seems like there's something to it. Um, but again, to talk about uh, uh, when Thornley was in New, New Orleans, and he heard about. He was there working as a waiter, right? He heard and he was working on his book, and he heard about what happened in Dallas, and he started running his mouth. I know him. <laughs> oh yeah, I was involved. Blah blah blah. And before you know it, he's got spooks everywhere. Yeah, um, yeah, and and other characters, some really strange, unsavory characters, especially a German immigrant. You want to kind of tell us about these guys? You're good, Dill. Yeah, you're keeping us on track here. I start. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah rambling I thought that was about, pretty wild. Rambling about stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, Thornley, when he got out of the Marines, he uh, ended up back in Southern California, and he and Greg Hill, the co-founder of Discordianism, weren't digging the scene there. You know, this was back in the late. Uh, See, actually, by this time, it was like 1961, and they were in Orange County, and it uh, was a pretty dead scene there. Thornley was a budding writer, and so was Greg Hill. So they uh, had a run-in with the cops one night that were hassling them about walking the streets at Whittier at 1 o'clock in the morning. What were they, <laughs> what were they doing? And they uh, decided amongst themselves, it's Let's go someplace interesting. Let's see the world. And they went to the New Orleans French Quarter. They moved there in 1961. And uh, part of that was motivated by uh, Thornley's interest, you know, the same reason he joined the Marines. He wanted to see the world, you know, write books. And so the uh, French Quarter was another good breeding ground for material for books to experience life. So it's kind of the motivation why he, why he uh, traveled there. And so uh, he met a lot of interesting characters, and a couple of those uh, characters uh, were named Gary Kirsten and Slim Brooks. Uh, Gary Kirsten also went by the name of brother-in-law. And these guys were, were shadowy characters. They claimed that they had been involved uh, uh, with naval intelligence and they had connections to the mafia and all. They hinted at this stuff. 
And so Thornley, you know, like he had had conversations in a bowling alley about politics, philosophy, the same, and uh, different political political ideologies with Oswald. He loved those discussions. He was having the same kind of discussions with these two shadowy characters. And at one point, they got into a, a conversation about uh, how to kill a president. Hmm. Thornley considered this like a, a theoretical discussion, kind of perhaps a morbid intellectual exercise. And uh, the discussion involved, yeah, how to kill a president, and in particular, John F. Kennedy. Dude, do you have any idea? Do you have any idea how many uh, how many alarms you just set off on the interwebs? <laughs> Great, yeah, they, they probably have uh, their eye on me, but I'm just I'm, I'm just just discussing uh, history here. So that's right, that's right. Um, so yeah, later, uh, as I've often said in interviews. Later, those conversations came back to haunt him. Yeah. You insert creepy organ music there. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. We... walk of a cat. <laughs> Did I answer your uh, question? Well, well yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, I mean, they, he, he's, it, it's really weird the way he just, after this, he happened to meet these shady characters who presented themselves as being mm-hmm. what they were not. Yeah. And then later, some of these guys, after the, uh, after a while, they really acted um, suspicious. Mm-hmm. Especially the the, the German guy, um, Gary. And of course, yeah. And there was another guy who was uh, who represented himself as one thing, but he was actually a, a member of the organized crime in that area in in New mm-hmm. Orleans, and, and this type of stuff, and. Then, you know, Carrie just thought they were cool guys to hang out with, apparently. And, uh, <laughs> well, Thornley hung out with a lot of uh, people, you know, so it doesn't surprise me. He was all, he was into the whole bohemian scene. Uh, yeah. Hanging out at uh, bars and uh, conversing about uh, whatever was going on. So these were just some fellows he met among all the other uh, colorful characters, but... Uh, yeah, he might have been, uh, you know, being manipulated in this sense. This guy, Gary Kirsten, hired uh, Kerry to uh, do some research for him at the uh, New Orleans Public Libra- Library. And Kirsten yeah. was writing a book about uh, the Nazis during World War II. And the basic premise was... Uh, something to the effect that Hitler was a good guy, that he'd been kind of uh, manipulated into the whole thing, and really the brains behind a lot of the Nazi war machine were other people. And so uh, I think that was the title, uh, Hitler was a good guy, or something to that effect. It sounds like Obamacare, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. Anyway. I I, I won't go there. I don't love Obama either, but yeah. Okay, but, but but yeah, I mean, the, the thing is that this guy... This- let, me, let me say that, yeah, so he went to the uh, public library, and uh, Kirsten had him type up this stuff, and on every page uh, he would write his name, Kerry Thornley. He was doing the research. Kerry later suspected that this was all kind of like an Oswald setup. They were going to use this, these materials against him that maybe even yeah, his... Uh, sure. 
conversations had been recorded without his knowledge about how to kill JFK. And so mm-hmm. in later years, he began, Thornley began to suspect that, uh, yeah, he was set up in 1973. And this is after the, we haven't really got too much into the Garrison investigation yet, but in 19, uh, yeah, I think it was 73, uh, Thornley came across, uh, First, it was a uh, magazine article that the Yippies put out, but it, uh, this information in that magazine article was later used in a book called Coup d'État in America, which is an acronym for the CIA, and it was a JFK assassination book by A.J. Weberman and Michael Canfield. And in this book, they connected certain Watergate burglars to uh, the uh, three tramps that were picked up in day- Daily Plaza, right. and you had the photos of the three tramps, and you also had photo overlays on acetate that you, you could actually pull out. I still have this book. You uh, pull out from the uh, dust cover on the book and uh, match them up with the uh, photos, and one of them was E. Howard Hunt laid over the old man tramp and the ears and nose. Everything matched up perfectly. Right. When Thornley saw the uh, photo of E. Howard Hunt, he re- recognized him immediately as that uh, guy he had met in New Orleans who called himself Gary Kirsten, with whom he had uh, wow. talked about uh, the Kennedy assassination. That, isn't that something? And he, was, and he later had interactions with very un- – he was a very unsavory character, to say the least. Uh, guys, mm-hmm. it's time for us to go to a break real quick. When we come back, I would like to talk to you again about the three tramps and uh, the potential identity of those three tramps because one of them may be connected to another person in the past who has something to do with the Oval Office. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not at liberty to talk about that. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll be right back. And uh, so stay tuned. You're listening to The Outer Edge. And – we're really getting conspiratorial tonight. Uh, time for a break. Bye. I would like to direct this to the distinguished members of the panel. You lousy corksuckers. You have violated my foreign rights. This Samanambaching country was founded so that the liberties of common patriotic citizens like me could not be taken away by a bunch of Fargan ice holes like yourselves. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and I'm proud to be a book person. How do I choose a book? Sometimes it's the cover, sometimes it's the title. I guess I'm pretty visual. If a book's really impressing me and the writing is really good, I will peek and see what the last paragraph is because the endings of books should rock you. I am a book person, and if you're a book person too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress, and the Ad Council. Roswell, UFOs, Flying Saucers, Alien Abduction, 
Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Free stuff for you just for listening to this station. Yeah, we got your attention. Here's how it works. You click on the radio loyalty banner right now and sign up. Then you keep on listening like you already do. But now you earn points. Those points add up, and you can trade them in for cool stuff in the radio loyalty store. Earn more points by sharing your station with friends on Facebook and Twitter, answering surveys, and by using the apps in the new player's app store. Pretty simple. Free stuff just for doing what you already do. Radio loyalty. Click the banner to join now. So, Jacqueline. Yes, Mom? I wanted to talk to you about something, and... Oh, wait. Hold on. I just got a text. Oh, there's another one. Wow. Busy, busy me. So, anyway... Oh, wait, Mom. I just got a message. My friends keep commenting on my comment. Oh, there's another one. So many comments on my comment. Oh, I can't wait to watch TV tonight. Playoffs! Hey, guys, check out my new video game. Wait, wait. Mom, what? What? Hold What'd on. you say? Wait a second. What? This weekend, unplug. Take your family to the forest. There's nothing in the world like experiencing nature firsthand. Trees, paths, bluebirds, streams. Getting closer to nature can get you closer to your family. To find the forest nearest you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. again on the outer edge and uh, our guest tonight is Adam Gorightly and uh, Mike uh, before uh, we left on a break you were wanting to uh, ask Adam about the uh, the three tramps so why don't you yeah. go ahead. Adam have you heard the uh, and seen the evidence over the years that one of the three tramps or someone nearby during the event was possibly uh not only involved with the CIA, but eventually with the presidency? Well, that, one of those uh, was E. Howard Hunt, we talked about right. before. Right. Um, Do you have another name? Th- yeah, there's, uh, there, was, there was a story, uh, a few stories a few years back that did the same kind of uh, uh, profile matching, the, uh, the, you know, the skull and the face and the features and everything, to a guy standing in the doorway and it, and this individual was in the area at the time, and he's the father of a of a former president who was also president. 
This is new to me. Lay it on me. Yeah, yeah. You need to. Yeah, I mean, you can you can find it if you look for it. I mean, um, yeah. Some people say that he definitely was, if not involved, he was present. And supposedly he wasn't supposed to be at that location, but in the photograph, you can pretty much see that he's standing there. Um, you, now, are you talking about the three tramps or somebody else? I'm not sure if it was one, if he was one of the tramps or if he was or if he is. It's just someone who is standing pretty distinctly to be seen. I think he's standing in a doorway or near a doorway. Yeah, I don't think uh, he's supposed to be one of the three tramps. Are you talking oh, about George Bush uh, Sr.? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I have heard that. I haven't actually seen the uh, photo. One of the things about uh, all those Daily Plaza photos, you know, they've yeah. Over the years, different researchers have claimed it was this person or that person, but a lot of them are so fuzzy that uh, at that at that time, you you do know what he was, what uh, uh, Bush Senior was doing for a living, right? Well, yeah, he was involved with Cuba. Yeah, and, 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 what, with, and what and what was Oswald involved with? <laughs> <laughs> what was what were everybody involved with? It? Yeah. Yeah, deal yeah. with it's, it's the just, Bay of Pigs and all of that. Exactly. Yeah, but young uh, Bush, uh, young Bush at that time, Bush Senior, uh, his oil company. They had different uh, ships there off of uh, Cuba involved in oil exploration, right? And uh, right. And so, yeah, there were all those uh, connections. Of course, the Bay of Pigs uh, weighs heavy in the Kennedy assassination. E. Howard Hunt, who we talked about, who may have been this brother-in-law, Gary Kirsten guy, might have been one of those uh, three tramps, the old man tramp in specific, also was involved in uh, the Bay of Pigs operation, as was uh, a guy named Frank Sturgis, who other people claim was one of those three tramps. Of course, you get you get heavy into all this JFK assassination research, and uh, there's all kinds of different theories about who those three tramps might have been. I mean, there's <laughs> multiple theories about who they were. I would say, though, that uh, th- when you compare the old man tramp to E. Howard Hunt, their features yeah. match up. They look a lot alike. The old man tramp looks older, obviously, but that might have been because of uh, a certain uh, disguise or something he was wearing to make himself look old look older you know uh, not just that but the but the lighting angle yeah uh, in and, that tramp photo I'm looking at it right now the the tramp it, it very well could be the same guy I mean yeah. it's just that he's turned it in such a way that a harsh light is kind of striking him from a, a three-quarter angle from the from the his his right shoulder over his right shoulder. And so it's created sort of a harsh uh, uh, contrast with some of his features. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. you know, what what gets me is, I mean, he we, he definitely was a CIA CIA operative, an intelligence oh, officer. No so, damn doubt about it. And he was also yeah. known as a master of disguise. So, yep. Uh, All right. Well, we're back on the outer edge. That's right. <laughs> well, we 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 were uh, we've already. Uh, Lost Adam for the night, but we were talking about some very some intel intelligence agency stuff. We were naming names. We've stepped on a lot of toes tonight, and uh, 
we were cut off because Tim's internet was totally shut down. You didn't lose power, did you, Tim? Just your internet. Nope, nope. Didn't lose power. Just the the internet was just uh, completely gone. Now, I mean, you know, I can't say that. You know, that's never happened before. I right. have uh, I have an inter uh, a, a cable, you know, cable internet connection, and which is not, which is even that's hard to, to disrupt. It, it, I yeah. can I can count on one hand the times that 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 it has just completely gone out in in you know like the uh, you know five or so years that, that I've had that I've been hooked yep. up to to this one. So I mean it's it's to me it's very it's it's rather unusual that in the middle of the night like this. Now you know right now we are having some you know slightly you know inclement weather, but right. I wouldn't th- I wouldn't think that it would be enough to 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 right. take out. The NF. The unusual thing, though, is that at uh, it came back right at the top of the hour when we the would be ends. when the show would be over with. Right. So, so actually, yeah. see what we're doing out there, people, is we're recording the end of the show uh, so that we can tag it, tap it, tag it on to the to what was already recorded. Um, we're actually have gone over time. It's just Tim and I recording this, but uh, it, it's you know we have to have some closure here. Um, because otherwise I, I'm going to get hurt feelings, and so will Tim. But yeah, uh, yeah, we don't want to do that. Yeah, we don't want to do that. But but you know, Adam and I were talking during the last uh, 20 minutes about this, and you know, cable does tend to be in the ground, doesn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. Our, uh, it, that, yeah. That's the way it is. Now now, who knows? I mean, outside of our neighborhood, it it may be. Coming into the neighborhood, you know, above yeah. ground, but uh, yeah. as far as I know, I mean, you know, it, uh, uh, it, well, it's well, all underground at this point. If it if it were a physical problem with the cable, it would not have come back this quickly. Not if you were up there having snow and ice in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, like you said, it the, it was knocked out, and then it came back right on the hour when the show was supposed to be over. Right. Now, we were we were naming some names. We were well, we were naming some names and some intelligence operatives, and talking about some stuff that a lot of people may not want uh, heard or spread around. And then boom, and uh, it was very interesting. So I I must say that perhaps this and this is not a stunt. This is not a stunt. This actually happened. But uh, it. That yeah, we were talking about the three the 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 three tramps that were photographed and, and, and at the uh, photograph. Yeah, right, and, right. Yeah, so you know, I just say get Adam's Adam's book, get his book because it could right. be something caught, in there that people don't want you caught to see. In, caught in the crossfire, Carrie Thornley, Lee Oswald, and the Garrison investigation. Right, uh, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would highly recommend it anyway, but, uh, <laughs> but, but considering the unusual nature that, uh, that our show was cut off, uh, I would say that, you know, well, I mean, maybe we did, uh, maybe we did step on some, uh, some toes. Yeah, that- we talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about conspiracies going on right now with the current administration during our lead in. We talked mm-hmm. about a lot of stuff that, that could, that possibly people don't want people talk like us talking about, so uh, they can kiss my ass. <laughs> That's so, right. That's yeah. right. So, all right. Well, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, it's it's unfortunate that we weren't able to uh, uh, finish our conversation uh, with Adam. So we'll have to uh, we'll have to get him back on our show again 
real, real that, soon. That's right. You know, that's right. Because uh, yeah, we were having a good time. That was fun. Yeah, it was. It was, and it's unfortunate that it ended that way. So uh, you know, but uh, that that's 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 the nature of the beast. Shit happens, and uh, you know, if we stepped on somebody's toes, well, that. <laughs> that's right. That's uh, you know. Uh, uh, then Adam must be on the uh, on the right track. Then he must be. He must be on something. When I read this book, I, I I'm th- you know I read this book and I'm thinking this may be the book that if enough people read it and looked into what he what he has uncovered here, um, that whole investigation may be reopened. Right. Right. So. Oh well. 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 Uh, anyway. Um, well. We'll we'll continue on. I mean, don't try, right. don't worry. I mean, we'll, that's right. We'll be we'll be back again uh, uh, next time with uh, uh, more interesting stuff on the yes. outer edge. So, and hopefully that uh, they won't uh, <laughs> uh, they won't uh, try to take us out again. So, uh, and, better, and I think better, it's you better check your hard drive and make sure there's no new files in there you don't know about now. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, and I think it's appropriate. Uh, uh, the The music that we're going to go out with is a song called "Big Brother Is Watching You." So. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Mike, and thank yep. you, everyone who's listening, and uh, thanks to uh, Adam Gorightly for being our guest tonight. I mean, we'll Absolutely. we'll we'll have him back again uh, real soon, and we'll uh, we'll continue this conversation. So, uh, for uh, for Mike Mott, this is Tim Swartz. You've been listening to the Outer Edge on the PSN Radio Network, and we'll we'll see you all again uh, next time. So, good night. Good night. Be careful of what you say Be careful in every way Be careful of what you do Big Brother is watching you Be circumspect and discreet Stay light on your mental feet One slip and you know you're through Big Brother is watching you Confirm with all directives Remember obedience pays And when you watch that TV screen Remember it works both ways You'll disappear in a wink Unless you can double think You'll vanish into the blue Big Brother is watching you.